Welcome to the Best Life Ever JW Podcast. It's the best life ever. And today's subject is going to be Abel, as well as Cain, and their interactions, or lack thereof. He had some pretty significant interactions, I would say. Yes. So, starting with Cain, he was the first child born on Earth. Uh, his name meant something produced. And when he was born, Eve proclaimed, I have produced a man with the aid of Jehovah. Now that suggests that she may have had in mind Jehovah's promise that foretold the, the woman would produce a seed or offspring, and that that one would be the one that destroys the wicked one who led Adam and Eve astray. She was so wrong. Yeah, if that's what she thought, then she was totally wrong. <laughs> but if she thought that, then her and Adam might have fed Cain reminders that, hey, like, you're going to be taking care of Satan. Like, that's your purpose. And that might have been part of the reason why he was so prideful uh, and and selfish. And then Abel was born. And uh, with our research, we discovered that Abel means exhalation or vanity, uh, meaning they didn't think as highly of Abel as they did of Cain. And you can imagine what that does to a kid. Uh, those are pretty some uh, pretty high standards for the second born to live up to. Yeah, we can only assume that they didn't think as highly of Abel as Cain, because if Cain's the, the chosen one, the one that's going to uh, put Satan to uh, destroy Satan, then Abel is good, but he's just not as good as Cain. Yeah, poor baby. Uh, it was interesting that Abel has no words written in the Bible. Um, he There was no, no quotes of him or anything like that. Uh, but as we'll get into it, it's obvious that he was the first human that God saw as redeemable with a quality of faith. His actions spoke louder than his words. And Abel didn't grow up with good influences, though, as we've as we've seen. Yeah. Uh, it was interesting <laughs> that they both probably had sisters that were still alive during their lives, um, and they had the similar upbringings, and they both believed in God, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's hard not to when you see the cherubs at the gate of the garden. Mm-hmm. And their parents obviously would have told them. Uh, why they weren't in the garden because they would see they would see the Garden of Eden, but they could see that they were denied entry into it. So they were obviously told by their parents why they weren't allowed to go in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll get into the part about their sacrifice. Uh, I brought out that after some time, which they didn't specify, uh, they brought their offerings to present to Jehovah, and that was because they were feeling the need to gain God's favor. Yeah, uh, Abel, but he did it because just like when you make of a friend you naturally want to give them gifts so i think it was a way of abel wanting to just show his appreciation to god he it was a natural thing that he wanted to do to give sacrifices to him and abel chose to to uh, offer up some sheep for the flock he had selected the best the firstlings as it brought out and what seemed to be the choicest pieces that would be so hard for me those little sheepies Different times. I know. Uh, But interesting, though, Cain, too, sought God's favor and blessings. 
and he prepared an offering of fruit of his crops. Yeah, but he probably did it for only selfish gain. Well, we'll get into that as well, but but it's obviously both were trying to please God at at least to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, they both may have used altars of fire for the offerings. Uh, interestingly, uh, it was, might have been within the sight of the cherubs because those were the only living representation of Jehovah or representatives of Jehovah on earth at the time. Yep, and they were there for a long time. Yeah, the research said that it was probably around uh, 1,600 years up until the flood. Which makes sense because the flood would change the uh, geography of the earth. So it's not like after the flood they're going to be able to find the Garden of Eden again. So their job was done. Yeah. Uh, but Jehovah responded. Genesis 4.4 4 said that Jehovah was looking with favor upon Abel and his offering. And so Abel offered up the very best of what he had. And Jehovah looked with favor not only on the offering he had, but specifically on Abel himself. And it was motivated by love for Jehovah by genuine faith in him. And the Bible doesn't specifically say how he showed favor with him, but just that we know that he showed him favor. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Hebrews 11.4, it says, By faith, Abel offered God a sacrifice of greater worth than that of Cain. And through that faith, he received the witness that he was righteous, for God approved his gifts. And now we're going to contrast that with Cain's offering. And the, the Bible just said that, you know, he brought produce, but it didn't specifically say that he had the best produce that he brought in contrast to Abel's always bringing the best. Um, but the problem was not in the quality of the food that he brought. In Genesis 4 or 5, it brings out that Jehovah did not look with any favor upon Cain and upon his offering. So it might not, it wasn't the offering itself. Uh, Abel did use an offering of living, breathing creature, shedding its precious lifeblood. And, but it wasn't that Cain's offering was faulty in itself. It's likely that either type was acceptable. And it was interesting that in the law that Jehovah eventually gave the nation of Israel, it was acceptable to have not only animals or animal parts, but also roasted grain, cheese of barley, fine flour, baked goods, wine. So Cain could have brought his fruits just fine and still had a appropriate offering. Right. But the Bible says that Cain, he, uh, that his own works were wicked. Um, first John three, 11 and 12 says, who originated with the wicked one and slaughtered his brother. And for what reason did he slaughter him? Because his own works were wicked, but those of his brothers were righteous. So Cain evidently thought that the mere outward showing of devotion to God was enough. You know, he brought an offering. This is what I got. This is what's acceptable. Sure, you can have it, whatever. But was his heart in it? Or was he just trying to put an outward show of, here's what I got? Yeah. Uh, we can c- compare that with Amos 5.22. says, Even if you offer me whole burnt offerings and gift offerings, I will find no pleasure in them, and I will not look with favor in on your communion sacrifices of fattened animals. So he could have brought his own animal as a sacrifice, but mm-hmm. if if he didn't have pl- if Jehovah didn't have pleasure in Cain himself, then he wouldn't accept his sacrifice no matter what it was. Right. So now we're going to shift gears 
and we're going to see how Cain reacted to some counsel that he was given. Uh, when he saw that he had not won Jehovah's favor, he didn't try to learn from Abel. He didn't ask Abel, hey, like, my gift wasn't good enough. Uh, what can I do better? He got really angry with his brother. Well, of course, his parents fed him the, uh, the thought that he was better his whole life. So why would he stoop down to Abel's level and try to learn from Abel? Yeah. Jehovah saw what was happening in Cain's heart, and he patiently tried to reason with him. Uh, Genesis 4, 6, and 7 says, Why are you so angry and dejected? If you turn to doing good, will you not be restored to favor? But if you do not turn to doing good, sin is crouching at the door, and its craving is to dominate you. But will you get the mastery over it? So yeah, he warned Cain that his course that he was leading was going to lead to serious sin. But of course, he chose to ignore him because Cain always knew best. So he invited his trusting younger brother to walk with him in the field, and that's when Cain assaulted and murdered him. And this was the first victim of religious persecution. Abel, Abel was worshiping Jehovah uh, in a righteous way, and he was persecuted because of it. Yeah, and he was the only faithful, practicing, God-fearing person on the earth at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it says that he possibly could have been as much of as a uh, hundred years old. Which, when you are, you know, one generation away from perfection, uh, that's just a drop in the bucket. He could have lived for way longer than that. Yeah, so, hundreds but, of years longer. Yeah, like in our lifespan, it would be like being murdered when you're ten years old, when you can supposedly live to be a hundred. So, very sad. But Cain had a callous heart. Uh, Jehovah asked him uh, where Abel was at. And it was evidence of Cain's attitude when he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's guardian? So we can see he's not only lying about it because he murdered him, but he's expressing he's not expressing any repentance. He's not admitting to any guilt. He's just saying, I don't know. I'm not sure where he's at. Whatever. So we can see that he obviously is, he has a bad attitude about it. And But God saw justice done by punishing Cain for his crime. And we can see that at Genesis 4, 10 through 12, says, At this he said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood is crying out for me from the ground. And now you are a cursed and banished from the ground that has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you cultivate the ground, it will not give you back its produce. You'll become a wanderer and a fugitive on the earth. Yeah, so he got evicted from the area. Um, and Jehovah cursed the ground that's already cursed. So pretty much anything that he planted, he wouldn't be able to grow anything. And uh, it says that Cain expressed regret over the severity of his punishment. And he said, the punishment for me, my error is too great to bear. And, but he still never gave any severe repentance of what he did. A true narcissistic person. He was more concerned about his own um, life. He showed anxiety as the possibility of being murdered or avenged upon Abel's murder. And so... Jehovah in his loving kindness, he says, For that reason, 
Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times. And that's when Jehovah set up a sign for Cain, as it's quoted. Uh, that was to prevent him from being killed. And we're not really sure what this consisted of, uh, but it just involved making sure that everyone knew that don't touch Cain, uh, don't avenge Abel's death. Otherwise, they're going to be affected seven times what they do to him. Yeah, and of course, Jehovah is a loving God, but he's also, he knows true justice. And if someone were to murder Cain, wouldn't that shorten his uh, punishment? You know, he he had to suffer for what he had done. And if someone murdered him, it would have been an easy way out. He would have been a shortened sentence. So, yeah, that's my little thought on that. It's interesting here that the uh, the line of Cain ended with the global flood of Noah's day. So not only did Cain have to live a life um, away from his family, but his family line also ended abruptly. It never continued on to present day. So it ended in those generations. Yep, true justice. So we see the difference between Cain and Abel. Cain obviously did not have an appropriate uh, sacrifice to be given, not only uh, the items possibly, but also and specifically was his attitude towards it. We contrast that with Abel. We see how his sacrifice was appropriate and that Jehovah appreciated him as a person. So how did Abel develop faith with a family that he had? No humans at that time period uh, were good examples for him. There were three points that are brought out in the Imitate Their Faith book. The first one was observing Jehovah's creation. Yeah, so of course they lived right next to the Garden of Eden. They were living in a perfect earth. Abel was able to see this every day. And since he was a shepherd, he had to walk a lot. And he got to truly enjoy the world that he lived in. Um, and also the fact that he was a shepherd, he could see that sheep needed uh, someone to look after them. They are very helpless. And I mean, you can think that he probably had a lot of time to just sit and ponder to himself. And he probably viewed himself as a sheep and that he needed guidance uh, for from God. And two, there was no curse on the animals, including the birds and the fish. Uh, no curse on the mountains, lakes, rivers, seas, skies, clouds, sun, moon, and stars. So uh, Jehovah's world was still perfect. Mm -hmm. It was just the people who were imperfect. So he was still able to see all the amazing and wonderful creation that Jehovah had given him. So obviously he deserves to be worshipped. Yeah, I mean, the, the person that's going to see firsthand more of the imperfect part would be Cain, since he was a farmer and the, the ground was cursed. So uh, Abel didn't have to deal with that. He didn't have to look at thorns and thistles every day. He had the better job. And so the second point I brought out was Jehovah's promises. That's one thing that strengthened Abel's faith. Uh, Jehovah said that the ground would be cursed, and Abel could see that the ground was cursed. It was thorns and thistles, and those fulfilled the promise that Jehovah gave. 
He also knew that Jehovah foretold that Eve would suffer pain of pregnancy, of childbirth, and we know that, obviously, they had more kids after Cain and Abel were born. Um, so he saw that to come to be true. Um, yeah, so everything that Jehovah said was going to happen, Abel saw firsthand that everything came true. And so the third point I brought out was Jehovah's other servants, um, which would be the cherubs at the time. So Abel had no good examples in the human family he had, mm-hmm. but Jehovah had posted the cherubs, which were highly ranking angels. Uh, and that's when they had the flaming blade of the sword that turned continually. At the gate of the garden. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So did Abel ever find them leaving their post or getting bored? No. And so he saw them day and night, year after year, decade after decade, uh, for forever for his time. Mm-hmm. Those intelligent, powerful creatures stayed exactly where they were posted. That's what their assignment was. As we brought out earlier, it was probably even up to 1,600 years until the flood. Right, right. And uh, Abel thus learned that Jehovah God had righteous, steadfast servants that served loyally with his obedience, unlike his family. So things that we can take away from Abel's example uh, versus Cain's example is the way that we treat the Christians in our congregation today. Uh, The way we treat others has bearing on our relationship with Jehovah. Uh, we see how Jehovah reacted to Cain's anger and frustration with his brother and how he said, you're hating your brother and this can lead to sin. We too can't be hating any of our brothers and sisters and still have Jehovah's approval. We also have free will, of course, and um, sin lurks in the door ready to devour us, you know. And so he's given us free will and we have the right to choose to do what is right. Uh, and the example of Cain, Jehovah went to him and warned him and said, please turn to doing good. But obviously Cain had free will and he chose to not listen to Jehovah. Um, so yeah. And the third thing is to uh, developing faith, even if circumstances aren't favorable. We see Abel and Cain had the same upbringing. They were both imperfect. Uh, but Abel did more than what Cain did, obviously. He took time to think about why he was there, who he should be serving, and what that involved. And so we see the contrast, and we see how Abel was able to do it. So we, too, can develop faith and should be developing faith no matter what our circumstances are. Yeah. So that is Abel and Cain. Dun, dun, dun. Thanks, guys, for uh, listening to the podcast. Uh, We appreciate it, and we will work on our next subject and post something next week. Thank you. This has been Best Life Ever, JW Podcast. It's the best life ever.